When my children were in elementary school at Rock Creek Forest, it seemed like about every other day they talked about some new student joining their classroom. And this is a very diverse school. They've had friends from the Cameroon and Ethiopia and Texas and New Jersey, as well as Central America and China. So when a new kid would come, we would ask, well, where did they move from? And a lot of times it was, I don't know. And then we would ask, well, what language do they speak? And that got, well, their own language. <laughs> and eventually it would get to, well, what do they look like? I don't know. What color are they? And we would talk about an array of colors from pink to tan to brown. And we might ask, well, why did it matter? But it does matter. It matters because they have friends from different nations and religions and ethnicities and cultures. They have friends of different colors and races. Their lives are rich in diversity. Later, they will have to wrestle with the complex reality that color is a factor in how people are treated, what assumptions people make, and how people relate and treat each other. Color matters. As we enter our season of racial justice, it's important to acknowledge that we have chosen something that is difficult. Politics, religion, social security, the third rail, I don't think they have anything on talking about race and racism in America. It is hard not to be afraid to talk about race. I think we're afraid that we'll say something offensive or that we'll get blamed or shamed or made to feel guilty. I think we're afraid that we'll be misunderstood, that we just don't have the words, or that we will be labeled racist or angry, or defensive. I think we're afraid that our conversations will do more harm than good. So how do we begin? As Christian people, the question, where do we begin, is easy, because we start with Scripture, and that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. Every human being, is made in the image of the divine creator of the universe and crowned with glory and honor. Dignity is our birthright. And when God finished creation, God looked at all that God had made and said, it is good. It is very good. Goodness is the essence of our humanity, and God created male and female. We are different from each other. It is good that we are all not the same. And God made us to be in relationship. To love one another as God loves us. All of this we know, but how do we begin? How do we really talk about racial justice in ways that are healing and helpful and honest and useful? I think that we have to do so with courage and humility, with truth 
the best we can because the truth will set us free. I think that we begin with our own diversity. And in the context of the human array of all of the colors and the lenses of age and ethnicity and economic status that we bring, that we first acknowledge our own story. My story begins in the affluent suburbs of St. Louis where nearly everyone was white. I had very few friends who looked different from me. Our high school of 1500 had exactly four black students and I knew none of them. I had the opportunity to travel to South Africa to see how the church responded to apartheid. And just to make things interesting, our little group of 11 had eight white people, two black people, and our leader was a female pastor who was Mexican-American. We traveled from church to church around the country and we stayed in white people's houses because it was illegal to stay in black people's homes. They were separated, corrugated metal shacks fenced off in townships or homelands with warning signs not to enter without a permit. Occasionally, the white people we were to stay with were not aware of the mixed nature of our group and we would show up and start dividing up into houses and some different arrangements would need to be made because it was too hard for some people to have a black person in their home. Sometimes when the white people spoke about race, I was shocked to hear my own prejudice in their viewpoint. Another man on our trip, the Reverend Billy Wade, said it happened to him sometimes too. We saw the racist parts of ourselves. In one small country town, J. Herbert Nelson, who was on that trip, who's preached in this pulpit a number of times, was asked to preach in the little church that sat no more than 50 people. He was the first black person to ever enter that church, the first black person to ever preach from the pulpit. And after the service that night, a white man came up to him and said that for the first time, he could see that black people were human, that they really were children of God. We did visit often black churches and townships. The church had decided to drive right past the warning signs. And the churches that we visited in the townships served feasts out of their poverty and sang a song. Our Christianity was never more celebrated, for we were their brothers and sisters in Christ who had come from the United States to hear their stories and care about them. They invited us into their home, one room, dirt floor, metal shack, neat as pin, 
and I found myself looking at a picture of baby Jesus. It was beautiful. Soft blonde hair, little bit of a curl, blue eyes, skin as white as snow. And it made me a little sick to think that they worshipped a God who was white. Driving from town to town through rural parts of the nation, we stopped at a small store by the side of the road and we went inside to get snacks and use the facilities. And there was a wire fence down the middle of the store. And it took me a little while to realize that there was a white side of the fence and a black side of the fence and that the facilities were only on the white side of the fence. So as a group, we sort of all kind of decided that we would go on the white side so that everyone could use the facilities and not be treated as inhuman, hoping and praying all the while that we'd make it out alive. There was one night when we were invited to meet with a leading figure in the fight against apartheid. She was an older woman who lived in the township of Crossroads outside of Cape Town. Now we did go by night because Dora Tamana was a banned person. She had gone in her younger days to nations around the world, to England and to China, to speak and to learn about how women could improve their lives. And on one of her journeys, she was met at the airport when she returned by the police who confiscated her passport and immediately put her in house arrest. She was not allowed to leave except a mile or so around her home, and she was not allowed to be in any assembly, meaning that no more than three or four people could be with her at a time. We went to see her. Sometimes ducking down so that when the headlights went by, no one could tell how many were in her house. Dora Tamana was 90. She'd been hit in the head in a protest at some point and gone blind. She was ill. Even we could see as we stood in that crowded room that it was difficult for her to breathe. I wished we could leave. We shouldn't be there. She was sick. But she refused and she insisted that we hear her story. She had sons in Zimbabwe. She told us about what it meant to be under house arrest. She told us how she longed to see her sons, but they could not come to her and she could not go to them, but she would keep trying. She told us about her life 
and she asked us to tell the people of the United States her story and all about the people struggling to be treated as human beings in South Africa. We went on our way, but several days later we learned that Dora had died that night shortly after we left. She had passed her story on to us, and she died. When I came back to the United States at the end of the summer, I saw things I hadn't seen before. Although there was no wire fence down the middle of the stores, in my neighborhood there didn't need to be. We were all white. And when someone was black, they were working behind the counter or mopping the floor. The United States is certainly not South Africa. But it is steeped, and I knew that I was steeped in the advantages that only white people have. I knew it. So I thought about that little white baby Jesus, and I went to seminary and studied the theology of racism, as well as the theology of liberation. And I have tried to share Dora's story in preaching justice, which I have done sometimes too stridently and perhaps not always with as much gentleness as is needed. I have continued in my own life to know that there is a part of me that remains struggling with my own racism. I was struck by an article in the Post last week, the style section, about a white mother's letter to her parents to the parents of her kid's friend. Her kid's friend, because her son is black. And she felt that she needed to write to her parents of his white friend saying, I'm concerned that you won't take me seriously, and I'll feel more angry that if I hadn't said anything. But my son is getting older. And as he grows from an adorable black boy to a strong black man, I know assumptions about him will change. And I need your help in keeping him safe. She urges us all not to be colorblind and how much her son needs for us to get it, all of us, especially white people. She urges us to talk in color because the world sees in color. And we have to be able to talk about how people get treated differently because of the color of their skin. Color really matters. Race matters. As difficult as it is, we have to talk about race we have to learn about ourselves and our own lenses and hear our own stories and hear the stories of those who look different than we do. We have to get beyond the guilt and the shame 
and take ownership for how we can make things better. We are made in the image of a powerful God. We have creative abilities beyond our imagining. God made us different and God made us great. So I leave you with the words of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Victory is humanities, all humanities, because goodness is stronger than evil, and love is stronger than hate, and light is stronger than darkness, and life is stronger than death. And victory and freedom from racism is ours because God loves us. Thanks be to God. Amen.